0: The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 53 Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Conor Hanmerty. We continue listening to the conversation between Hamlet and Polonius, as each of them tries to test the other for his own purposes. Hamlet entered the scene reading a book, and has been deliberately peculiar in his answers to Polonius. He has lamented the scarcity of honest men in the world, leaving Polonius to agree rather meekly with his last line, that's very true, my lord. Hamlet's next line seems like a complete non sequitur. Even within the context of his strange behaviour, this seems very weird. Personally, I like the suggestion that the following begins as a line that Hamlet reads from his book, whatever the book is, which he then interrupts with a direct question to Polonius. He says, For if the son breed maggots in a dead dog, being a good kiss and carrion, have you a daughter? Carrion is a word for dead flesh, as in carrion crows that spring to mind. The line itself is pondering something to do with how the sun can encourage the growth of maggots in the corpse of a dog. It's a peculiar image, of course. Elsewhere in Shakespeare, Carrion also has got a slight hint of sexual corruption, rather than just physical degradation. Certainly a production could choose to make something of the mental leap that Hamlet makes between Carrion and the question to Polonius, have you a daughter? Obviously, Hamlet is completely aware that Polonius has a daughter. He's been dating her, or whatever the equivalent was. Polonius has every right to be confused and even frustrated at Hamlet asking this. He answers simply enough, though, I have, my lord. Hamlet replies, let her not walk with the sun. Conception is a blessing, but not as your daughter may conceive. Friend, look to it. Spending too much time in the sun could make a lady get a tan, which might keep her from getting a husband, as playfully discussed in Much Ado About Nothing. But Hamlet here might also be returning to his own play on words earlier in the text, when he said he was too much i the sun. These thoughts are all quick as lightning, but he's inferring that should Ophelia spend too much time in the sun, or with him, the sun, S-O-N, Perhaps just as the maggots he mentioned are encouraged to breed in the carrion he may be reading about in this book, so Ophelia might conceive and bear a child because of the things she might do with Hamlet. And would that really be a blessing? It's this kind of mental gymnastics that show just how clever Hamlet is. These thoughts are dizzyingly fast and their effect is really, I think, to rattle Polonius and show him he won't be his pawn in any way having presented the older man with all of these curiously linked ideas, he makes a show of concern for him, closing the little speech with, friend, look to it. In other words, deal with this. Unsurprisingly, Polonius is perturbed. He's given an aside here, a chance for us to see what he's really thinking and how he might react to all of this. He says, How say you by that? Still harping on my daughter. Yet he knew me not at first he said I was a fishmonger. He is far gone, far gone. And truly in my youth, I suffered much extremity for love. Very near this. I'll speak to him again. The idea of harping on something is proverbial. The phrase in total is harping on one string, to be stuck on a single note, in other words. And Polonius sees that Hamlet is stuck on his daughter. Yet he didn't recognise him at first, since he said Polonius was a fishmonger. I've dug around a little bit more on this Polonius fishmonger situation. One of the chief proponents of the idea that a fishmonger could be a pimp or a bawd was Dover Wilson, who was also responsible for the idea I mentioned last time, that perhaps Hamlet is on stage a little earlier and overhears Polonius saying he will loose his daughter on him. If this is the case, then of course it's in Dover Wilson's interest to have Polonius likened to a board. However, this reading of Fishmonger doesn't appear very much anywhere else, so it's still a bit of a stretch. There could just as easily be something in it that providers of so healthy a food as fish would therefore be particularly fecund and prone to getting pregnant, which might tie in more with the conception as a blessing idea discussed a little bit earlier. Polonius, makes an unusually vulnerable comment as he points out how far gone Hamlet is. Truly, in my youth, he says, I suffered much extremity for love, very near this, almost as badly as Hamlet is suffering. It's surprisingly tender to hear him sympathise with Hamlet, thinking that his distracted state has been brought on merely by love sickness, for his own daughter, of course. One wonders who might have driven the young Polonius to so much extremity, Was it the elusive Mrs Polonius, or another forgotten woman that never made it into a play? He endeavours to get Hamlet's attention again with a discussion of the book. What do you read, my lord? Words, words, words. It's another famous line from the play, which obviously had to be the one that gave this episode its name. Polonius tries another tactic. What is the matter, my lord? Between whom? I mean the matter that you read, my lord. Hamlet deliberately misconstrues here. Polonius means to ask about the subject of the book, and Hamlet takes him to mean the subject of an argument between two people. Messing again. He really doesn't give Polonius an inch. And indeed, he goes further, now relishing the chance to mock Polonius. He gives an account of what he is reading. Slanders, sir. For the satirical rogue says here that old men have grey beards that their faces are wrinkled, their eyes purging thick amber and plum-tree gum, and that they have a plentiful lack of wit, together with most weak hams, all which, sir, though I most powerfully and potently believe, yet I hold it not honesty to have it thus set down, for yourself, sir, should be as old as I am, if like a crab you could go backward. Hamlet and Polonius have already discussed the lack of honesty in the world, and so Hamlet returns to that theme here. He claims that what is written in the book is nothing but slander. The quarto says it's by a satirical rogue, and the folio says a satirical slave. Interesting only because towards the end of this scene, Hamlet will call himself both a rogue and a slave, in the great soliloquy that ends this extraordinary scene. For now, He's saying that this lying and dishonest book says that old men have grey beards, that their faces are wrinkled, and that their eyes exude amber or gum, both resiny substances that emanate from old trees, that old men have a lack of wit, and that their legs are weak. Any and all of these could be little digs at Polonius, depending on the physical interpretation of the actor playing him. Hamlet's being weird on purpose, as he continues that while he powerfully and potently believes that old men display such characteristics, He considers it dishonest to put this in print. The little speech ends with a total bogus thought, as he suggests that Polonius would be just as old as he himself is if he could go backwards like a crab. Crabs were considered capable of moving in any direction, and so if Polonius could go backwards through time, he could be just as old as Hamlet. The younger man really seems to be going out of his way just to point out that, yes, Polonius is an old man. The latter is so stupefied that he needs to make another aside but we'll save that for next time, I think. For now, thanks as ever for listening, and I'll speak to you next week.